Hey, day drinkers, it's your second favorite Echo host, Elliot, uh, back with another Encore episode while we're on hiatus. This one's a personal favorite of mine because it's cocktail-focused, and you know how I feel about a cocktail. This is our fourth episode featuring bartender Souther Teague. Souther is the author of the really terrific cocktail book, I'm Just Here for the Drinks, uh, and the host of the Speakeasy podcast, which uh, I also listen to and I highly recommend. Uh, he's also the beverage director at Omori Amargo in New York City uh, and at its new location in Brooklyn. And he's the co-owner of three other great bars in New York, uh, which I hope to visit one of these days. Windmill, uh, Blue Quarter, and Honeybees. Uh, and so hopefully that'll happen uh, in the very near future uh, because I'm planning on going to New York. So Gary and I can record some new episodes right there in the city that never sleeps. Uh, starting next week, we're going to bring you some clip shows featuring just the drinks. Uh, where we'll, we're going to uh, take a look back at some of our favorite cocktails and drink moments from our 50-plus episodes, which means that I have some very serious editing work to do. Uh, and if you listen to the show, you know that we don't really edit. So uh, so I've got my work cut out for me. Uh, in the meantime, if you haven't subscribed to the show, please do. Uh, and leave us a star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps us find more great listeners like you. And now, without any further ado, and that was a lot of ado, uh, please enjoy this encore presentation of episode four with Souther Teague. Elliot Lamar Clandestine Blake. Gar William yep. Anthony Williams. You know what time it is, my friend. What time is it? It's time to do that magic with your throat. When I yes. introduce the show. Yes. That part of the magic with yes. my throat. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, uh, because I know children are listening to this podcast. Yep. Welcome to another episode of Day Drinking with Gary and Elliot. I am your host, Elliot Blake. Sitting across from me is my equa host, yep. Gary Anthony Williams. Uh, last week, I came down really hard on Hawaii. Uh, since then, I have actually sent a gift to every citizen of Hawaii, every natural-born citizen of Hawaii. <laughs> what did you... I sent uh, a Tesla. What? I sent everybody in Hawaii a Tesla You're on all of the islands. You are so nice. I care that much. You're a good man, Gary. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, folks, I think you're all familiar with the show by now. It, it, what we do is very simple. Elliot, my dearest friend, home mixologist, is going to make a drink for a fantastic guest. We're going to try that drink, and we will chit immediately followed by a chat with that guest. That's what we're going to do. I normally introduce the guest. That's but true. today, it's Elliot's Blake's time to shine. Oh, my gosh. Please shine. Well, shine on Harvest Moon. Thank, <laughs> Can I, thank is you. Is that your the, other middle thank you, name? Thank, it is. Okay. Uh, yes. Thank you for the Neil Young reference and, uh, and also for the great honor of allowing me to introduce our guest today. The one and only Souther Teague. Uh, normally we do comedy uh, and yeah. entertainment guests, but today we have on a very esteemed bartender, uh, an author, uh, owner of several bars in New York City. Souther, welcome to the show. So happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm going to tell the quick, quickly tell the story of how this came to be. Yeah, because I'd like to know. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's been tricked. I was just giving a talk at BevCon, and then suddenly a black hood was thrown over my face, and I was thrown in the back of a car. And I woke up in a room full of microphones. I just you wanted to. I wanted that. I wanted to do a sound effect to make Souther feel at home. Yeah, that does make me feel at home. So uh, <laughs> Souther also hosts a podcast called The Speakeasy, and uh, that sound effect comes up uh, every now and then. It does. Our engineer has that button and a few other buttons in his uh, in his arsenal, so he he chimes in throughout the show all the time. It's great. I just have it on my phone. 
Oh. Yep. <laughs> We've got yeah. that one too. You have all of that, the pocket southern tea. That's all I've got okay, though. That's that, that's about it. I'm gonna put it away now. So um, all we have beyond that is the the winning bell, ding ding ding, and of course the audience applause. So yeah, well they're deployed uh, in a very uh, yeah. fun way. Normally this is a part where I will uh, introduce a drink and then make a drink and then we right. will drink a drink. But before I do that, I should say I asked Souther. What is your go-to cocktail? And he said... I said the Gibson. Gibson is one of my favorite cocktails. And it's one of those that crept up on me. I've enjoyed them for years. And I think I didn't even realize how much I liked them until I had a logo drawn up. And in my logo, I included a Gibson. Now, wow. what, what... I sent you a photo of that. Yeah, it's an awesome logo. I won't crib <laughs> your logo, but I, I'm going to have to get one now. I'm very inspired. Many people who were listening to this may not know what a Gibson is. Gibson is effectively a martini, typically pretty wet, so I like mine 50-50. So that's 50% gin, 50% dry vermouth. No bitters are involved in this martini, which in a classic martini, you'd have some orange bitters. Um, and then the garnish is a beautiful pickled pearl onion, or onions of any variety. I, I go to places all the time, and I try their Gibson, if they're especially if they're making... Uh, their onions in-house. Uh, and I've had like rings of red peppers as pickled as the garnish of a Gibson. And what draws me to them is it's crisp and it's beautiful and it's elegant, but it also has this savory component. Um, who doesn't like a drink that comes with a snack? It's malleable. It's uh, kind of good for any occasion. You can have one at lunch and not feel uh, like you're overdoing it. You can have one even poolside and feel okay about it. Uh, you can have one uh, for dinner. Like it's, it's It fits in any situation as long as that onion is good. Gotcha. So, I mean, and it's a pretty straightforward drink. I mean, it's two yeah. ingredients and an onion. Two ingredients and an onion. Th- does the simplicity of it factor into it at all for you? I mean, there's certainly some appeal in that regard. But I feel like, weirdly, the most simple drinks, the ones that involve the fewest ingredients, are often the ones that are also the most bold and, uh, you know, layered in flavor and, like, aggressive flavors. Yeah. Uh, you know, at Amoria Margo, my bar in the East Village, we, we've we been open for seven and a half years, and we really only make three drinks there. Every single drink we make is a variation of the old-fashioned, the Manhattan, and the Negroni. Pardon me. Uh, a question <laughs> from the man from Atlanta. Three drinks, that's it? Like, you have a three-drink menu? Yes and no. Um, so every single drink we make is a variation on those three right? Mm-hmm. So the old-fashioned, of course, is sugar, water, spirit, and bitters, right? That's the original definition, and so we, the only sugar we use at Amori Margo is cane syrup, and we only use it in old fashions, but the old-fashioned, uh, that's the sugar and the water in the syrup. Mm-hmm. Then uh, uh, spirit, of course, I have one from every category at least, right? So you can do rye whiskey, bourbon, mm-hmm. scotch, uh, you can make a gin, old-fashioned, Jennifer, uh, uh, whatever you like. And then bitters, which I have possibly the world's largest selection of tincture bitters. So I have over 500. Wow. So the calculable possibilities for an old-fashioned are, are unfathomable, really. Yeah. Right? We're talking math at that point. We're talking permutations. Serious math, yeah. yeah. Quantum physics comes into play at Amor y Amargo. Oh, no. <laughs> Is that what amor, amor y Amargo in Spanish translates to quantum physics? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, uh, very astute of you to pick up on that. Elliot, you told me I wouldn't learn anything from him today. You were like, he's going to come here, Gary, and you're not going to learn anything, and what, you're wrong. I think what he well, meant was, I'm going to come here, and you're going to unlearn stuff. Oh, that's different. That's, yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. I feel dumb. Uh, so, so, let me, so, so, we, so yeah. again, we, we, yeah. we live in those parameters, and we make uh, you know an untold number of cocktails based on the templates of those three drinks but that's the world we live in so right. the fun thing for me to say about Amori Margo is with the exception of that cane syrup my only other non-alcoholic ingredient is water all my drinks are all spiritus that's uh, amazing right so yeah. so those drinks as you just said the the Gibson is a martini which is an all spiritus drink right? right but only two ingredients yet super complex yeah and pretty easy to 
Can we swear on this show? Oh, please. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah. We, need, we literally need to. Thank God. Uh, pretty easy to fuck up. Oh, I didn't know you were going to use that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I went right to the top. You know? Go it's bigger. Not a better one. Go, go bigger, bigger, go home. Yeah. By the way, everybody knows that I'm the novice in the drink world. But what makes it really? So, you strike me as a pro drinker. I've been, a, you know, I've been around. My lips have known a bottle or two in my time. Uh, but what is it that makes it so easy to mess up? Then, if it's just well, uh, there's this overwhelming cultural influence that dictates to us somehow that vermouth is a bad thing. So when you're dealing with a martini, which is just uh, gin and vermouth uh, in the case of the Gibson, and or gin, vermouth, and orange bitters in the case of the classic martini. Um, People somehow have decided to take away 50% of the drink. You're not eating a ham and cheese sandwich if there's no cheese involved. You're just having a ham sandwich. The lack of use or the sparing use of vermouth has kind of, in my opinion, ruined the martini. You're going to hate me when I go to your bar. Because I'm all about... Elliot, he thinks I don't hate him already. (laughs) No, no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. You're going to hate... You're going to hate-er me. Hate-er. Yeah. More more hate-er. Yeah, more hate. Yeah. Uh, that's, what, that's what we're about here on yeah. Drinking. We're, we're just going to exercise all the hate. Yeah. My dad uh, is one of those. My dad is one of those vermouthless people when he when he has a, a martini. I, can, we, I understand why that happened. Yeah. I can give you some lineage on why maybe it, it, it became to be. When you make a, a, a martini and you use gin and vermouth, and then your vermouth has maybe been sitting on the back bar, it's not been refrigerated, it's not been cared for the way it should be, it's, it's a wine product. It, it is wine. The minute you open it, the clock starts ticking on how long you have to drink this product. I think oftentimes people got a hold of vermouth that was poor, and they mixed it with their gin, and then they got to the place where they they wanted less and less and less of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then that some, somehow became fashionable. The drier. I want the driest, dry, dry, you know? Which then is literally just a glass of gin, and often in the modern time, a glass of chilled vodka yeah, right. with a twist or an olive. This isn't a cocktail. This is just you drinking a straight product, and you're missing out on the nuance and the deliciousness and the ability to enjoy more uh, time and more product by softening the blow. Right? Right. If you're just having a, a four-ounce glass of chilled gin versus a glass of chilled gin with 50% volume of, of vermouth and more layers of flavor, right? you're missing out on the, on the whole nuance of the thing. Right. Well, and by adding the vermouth, you're lowering the, the alcohol content. I mean, because the right, vermouth is much lower. Yeah, you're softening the blow. So that's because it's, it's a much lower alcohol than you the, the gin itself. You two have teamed up and made me change my mind on something today. What's yeah, that? what is it? I am a, basically, you're just giving me chilled gin or chilled vodka in the most spillable glass in the world, yeah. one of those <laughs> stupid martini glasses. Yeah. To me, when I get the vermouth in there, makes it a little too sweet for my taste buds. But today, you, you use words like complexity, sure. which I'd never even heard that word before. By the way, you've <laughs> see, just taught see, me. you yeah. are learning. I, I've learned. I uh, told you he could learn, Elliot. I, 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 he knew he had the capacity. He just had to be willing to do it. I, yeah, I, and I wasn't willing. Uh, but seriously, like now I'm going to go, all right, but I'm going to make sure it's a fresh vermouth back there and not something been sitting on the back Exactly. Bar, like I mean, one said. of the things I tell people all the time is, you know, I know you guys usually talk about comedy, but you got me on, so we're going to talk about drinks. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why um, you're here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm just here for the drinks. Oh, we're, we're, well, that t- title, well, of my, title of my book, available on Amazon.com. Oh, there we go. Yep. Oh, oh, he, okay, all right. Um, you know, if we talk about what vermouth is uh, and then how it's made, you can maybe have a clearer understanding of how you might want to enjoy it. So let's talk about what vermouth is. It's aromatized, fortified wine. So if you are swinging home tonight after work and you stop at the liquor store and you pick up a bottle of brandy, mm-hmm. and then you hit the wine shop and you pick up a bottle of table wine, and then you hit the produce stand and you pick up a couple of pears and a couple of oranges and some rosemary, and you go home and you throw in some of the brandy and all of the wine, chopped up the fruit and the rosemary into a bowl, what have you made? Have we made vermouth? Or yeah. a salad? A liquor salad? A little bit of both. Oh, yeah. 
High no. five. You didn't make vermouth. You made sangria, which uh, is yeah. a super close cousin to vermouth. Yeah. And you're totally willing to drink that. You should be willing to drink your vermouth. Man, I think you can convince anybody to drink. I think I convince a lot of people to drink. <laughs> no, I really I think do. I drive a lot of people to drink. I'm not even <laughs> kidding because, like, Elliot, you know my kidding face. I do. I know your is kidding this face. My that kidding is face? not it. Is no. it very, is it very better serious. looking than this one? No, Mike. They look the same, oh. but one of them you don't, you don't want to be around. And one of them you want to kiss. I'm not going to lie to you, Southern. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants a piece of this face meat. Uh, but honestly, but honestly though, I had gone, I don't want any vermouth. It just tastes sweet to me. It's ruining the taste of my chilled vodka, but I'm not kidding. Your explanation of what it is and what it's meant for has made me go, you know what? Never mind. Next time I'm going to make sure I go to a fine place. Like, uh, that's a huge part of it. I think the onus lies a lot on the consumer. Uh, in the world of, of drinking, a lot more than in some other cases. Uh, but in the world of drinking, you, the consumer, have to make that decision based on the space that you enter. If you look around and you see the bartenders are neat and tidy, and you see a couple of jiggers and spoons and, and mixing glasses on the bar, and you watch them make a drink or two, and you can suss out that they're making good drinks, mm -hmm. that's one thing. If you don't see any of that stuff, if you see an open bottle of vermouth on the back bar, not refrigerated, uh, with a lot of dust on it, then that's the time to order a beer. Okay. And if you if you look around and you see the floor is sticky and the bathroom is a, a filthy wreck full of stickers and graffiti, you don't even want beer on tap. You want beer in a bottle. Uh -huh. right? you got to <laughs> check out where you're at. Don't walk into a, a sushi bar and try and order a hamburger. They may try and make you one. It will yeah. be terrible for you and sure. for them. Yeah. So it's the same thing at the bar, right? you got to say, you know, I like a martini, but this isn't the place. People need to hire you just to go with them to a bar, not you know. Yes, like a, you, you like have three I'm gonna wear a pith hat. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Multiple yes. pockets, Mister Mister T guy, presume. Yes, that kind of stuff makes so much sense and is not something that most people are thinking about. Yeah, unfortunately, ever. we, yeah, we uh, unfortunately we really got to a place in our culture and our style in America where we've just decided that a bar is a bar is a bar. If just around the corner from here. If a new place opened up that served spaghetti and tacos and sushi, you'd probably be a little skeptical to go there. But if a place opened and only served spaghetti, you might be like, man, they must be killing the spaghetti yeah, game. They know something. So I think you got to think of bars more like restaurants and not say this bar has daiquiris and champagne and the best beers on tap and a great mojito. No, you got to go to the place that has one, maybe two of those things. Mm -hmm. They're really striving. I don't like to go to 24-hour diners where I can get pancakes and baked clams. <laughs> I want those two things at different restaurants. But, but you would. Would, though if I'm if I'm oh, reading if I'm reading you right you <laughs> not would only go would to a I, place I have okay and you would go to a place called pancakes and baked clams if that's all they right had. oh and absolutely you know, like, oh they're doing those yeah things. yeah you you're, doing you, you're getting what I'm laying down which is have an ethos stick to your ethos and and do do a couple of things really well uh, you know you don't have to go crazy like I do at a Mori Margo where we only do this one style mm -hmm. of drinks and do it crushingly well but, you know, you define your place. And this doesn't just go for my business. It goes for anything, you know. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be great at too many things. You become <sighs> mediocre at all of them. Oh, crap. There you go. Did you, were, uh, you were not aware of that, were you? Oh, I wasn't aware. All right. You know, uh, we've been we've been talking yep. this whole oh, time, and I and I haven't actually been making the drink we, yeah, oh, because oh, I've oh. been I've been uh, enraptured by the story. So I'm going to make the drink now. Here's the thing uh -oh. about the drink. Oh yeah, back to the beginning. Back, where you I, you right. said what kind of drink should I make you? And right. I said a Gibson. Right. And, and then and I see a bunch of stuff here that makes no there, sense. In there, a there is no Gibson in sight here. It's like a gag. Part show. of it is uh -oh. part of it. Part, <laughs> part of it is that. 
So I like I like to ask this question and say, okay, well, what do I have um, in my repertoire of drinks that I have created that might be in that same wheelhouse? I went through them all, and <laughs> I didn't feel like any of them. Like here I am, you know, reasonably advanced home bar guy making uh, a drink for uh, wine enthusiast 2017 bartender of the year. Yeah, you know, here's a guy who owns three bars, and he's got a book. Uh, by the time this podcast is out, it'll be out available on Amazon. And, uh, and, and there's little me and I, and I, I kind of, there's a drink that I came up with last week, which was really just a riff on a drink that I had out, uh, two weeks ago and that I really liked. And when I did my spin on it, I really liked it even more. And I thought, you know what, I'm, there's perhaps a recency effect there, but I'm going to fall back on that. Uh, and also it seems like we're, we're almost not even day drinking now. We're almost evening drinking. Yeah. Yeah, We're pushing time. I felt like this would be a good one. So not a Gibson, but hopefully uh, enjoyable. So I'm going to ask a question, and then I'm going to start making a drink. Uh, part of the reason that we wanted to have you on, aside from the fact that you just happened to be out here in L.A., and you were gracious enough to answer my tweet when I said, hey, you should come be on our show, uh, is because you have uh, a book coming out next week. I've pre-ordered this book called uh, I'm Just Here for the Drinks. Could you tell our listening audience what that is about? As the name uh, of the book implies, I'm Just Here for the Drinks is a, a compendium uh, masterwork, really, uh, regarding um, lawnmower repair. Okay. <laughs> I knew when I when you came in with that oil on your hand, I thought, yep. this guy is not about booze. Right. This guy is all about snapper. Yes. <laughs> snapper tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought meant snapper the fish. But yeah. so you mean snapper riding mower. Snapper riding mower. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, my book, I'm Just Here for the Drinks, is uh, five categories of spirits that I really enjoy um, with some history, anthropology, like reference bits regarding each category. So like how it's made, where it's made, rules, regulations, a little bit boring. And then we pull back from that boring stuff and get into anecdotal and confessional material about my time using those products or visiting the home origin, like when I went to France and visited Cognac to drink Cognac. Wow. Um, and then some recipes from myself and, and my friends. I got... Uh, I suckered. I mean, uh, I convinced uh, ten of my friends to uh, uh, submit uh, a recipe, and I, I wrote a little story about each of them, and and uh, and backstory about their cocktail, and they're peppered throughout the book. Photography, beautiful photography by a guy named Eric Metzger, who does a lot of photography for Imbibe Magazine, and he did the photography for do- uh, Wiley Dufresne's book WD. It's a very famous chef, gorgeous mm-hmm. book, uh, and then a lot of artwork uh, on the cover and throughout the book by Natalie Check of Bruja Collective, uh, who does uh, lettering art. We started the project back in October. Um, I'm a tremendous workaholic. Uh, that's why I say yes to all these ludicrous requests, just like this one, to be here. <laughs> but you know, um, you're going to get a pony back ride or a piggyback ride. I was, Your choice. I was I was promised a pony. Okay, um, then you're getting a pony. So I'm a ridiculous workaholic. I don't say no to projects, and I crush right through them when I get into them. So we started the project in October, but this is kind of like a, my years of experience uh, mm-hmm. distilled uh-huh, into a book. Wow. Um, a lot of words by me that I, I wrote entirely on my iPhone. I have a question about that. Did you just do it all on the keypad on the screen? Mm, yes, or did sir. you have Okay, so no like no Bluetooth keyboard. You know there's Did you a just note. like write it in notes or something? Uh, I have an app called Pages. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've never used it on my phone, but yeah, I've used it on my computer. So, um, the listening audience can't see me, but but I'm a hunt and peck typist on a keyboard. They can ra- see you. But but when I'm <laughs> they, they, they can at, see you. You're oddly, very descriptive. Oddly, at all times yeah. I think they can see me. Um, so I'm a hunt and peck typist on a full size keyboard, but on my phone, you know, I'm double thumb. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm up there with the best of them. Uh, double thumb magoms, they call you. Oh uh, yeah, that's uh, it. Back in the, uh, do, uh, back you in the, do realize, and now old, it's time for back in the old uh, east. Yeah, uh-huh. back in the old east. In yes. the old east, 
Uh, you do realize and now it is time for Gary to teach you something that you can actually talk into your phone and it will write down what you say. I tried that and there are so many words that are not that the phone doesn't recognize in my field. Apple needs to make a as, booze recognized. Kind of, yeah. yeah. As I, I got further and further into it, I could use it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I just prefer Then you've gone in correcting mistakes yeah, exactly. from I just prefer to type it. In your travels, I, I assume you went to uh, to bourbon uh, to uh, to try the bourbon. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I was, assume I've, you also I've been went to Kentucky to, and uh-huh. on the bourbon trail. Yeah. What was your favorite place of all those that you I, I already kind of mentioned it. Uh, I Well, I don't know. Actually, there's kind of two. Um, I spent a good amount of time in Cognac, France, drinking just uh, an inordinate amount of Cognac, uh, Armagnac, Pinot de Chiron, um, Chartreuse. Like, I just... France has got a pretty special place in my heart as far as the consumables that they produce, both mm-hmm. di- both distilled and fermented. So that's booze and wine. And, you know, that ties in closely with my newest project back in New York. I opened a bar called Windmill, and Windmill yeah. is very French-informed. So we have lots of those things I just listed um, all, all over the menu there, so... I do want to talk about those other because there's two there's three places that you are associated with in New York. Am correct. I am I wrong? I want to talk about those. Uh, but I are just, you about to? I'm about to shake. Oh, well, so I don't want to stop anybody from talking, but I also don't want to interrupt with my vigorous. I, I uh, think this country shaking. and our dearest friends in Hawaii, by the way, just the greatest people <laughs> in the world. I think they need to hear this. Curious shake. to know what you did to the oh. people of Hawaii. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's not the best technique. Not the whoa! Did you hear this one? Not did you hear technique. Mr. Wine Enthusiast? Yeah, no, no. I look. Oh, I, I, I'm. It's. I'm sure it's not. Let's see him shake up his. Now, well, Sauvignon well, first Blanc. of all, I'm using. I'm using. Uh, <laughs> I'm using. Uh, I'm using cobbler shakers. I'm not using. I'm not using Boston. Shakers. Love it. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Because I, I'm honestly, I don't, I don't have one, and B, I'm afraid of a Boston shaker. Oh yeah, because I'm worried that I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, I'm the guy that's gonna bust the seal while I'm shaking. Listen, so, you do what you feel comfortable with, and it's gonna be fine. Well, that's kind of my whole approach to this: is I, that if I'm as a home bar guy, I want people to feel like if I can do this, you can do this, and I want people to feel comfortable with whatever tools that they feel comfortable with, as long as they're using good ingredients. I, I think that's my. And, you know, that's so much easier to do these days, by the way. I talk about that a little bit uh, from time to time. You know, I feel like we've we've long forgotten and lost what bottom shelf or rot gut is. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason we've lost that is because we've simply gotten better at distillation, at filtering, at harvesting, at procuring good base products. So I feel like the bottom shelf is more and more disappearing. So you don't think rot gut's really that rot gut anymore? I think, yeah. Even the bottomest shelf that you can imagine is still made really well. You may not like the taste, Would, but I don't consider it to be as bad as it was, even as close as 30 years ago, but definitely as far as 50 years ago. Any interest in doing a book no. that's all bottom shelf, like bottom shelf, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. great bottom shelf. Uh, well, I exalt a lot of bottom shelf things in my book right now. Um, my favorite whiskey, uh, American whiskey, is Old Overholt Rye. And when I tell people that, a lot of them have never that. even heard of it. Oh, no, that's great stuff. Yeah, I've had that. Yeah. A lot of them have never even heard of it. And I say to them, this is the longest continuously produced rye whiskey in the world. And the reason you haven't heard about it is they don't care to advertise. They just make good whiskey every day. And they know people are going to go get it because they're good at it. And it retails for about $22 a liter. You know how I do research, Souther. You know that I'm I'm number one in research in this country. I read that about you, yeah. But I was looking up Blue Quarter, and it kept throwing up the word tea, and it was tea this and tea that. What's going on over there? What's going on in New York? Yeah, so Blue Quarter, we opened in the back of a Mediterranean restaurant called Local 92. Um, and the gentleman who owns Local 92 came to my bar, Amoria Margo. And uh, as uh, you both know from listening to my show, we often joke about 
about how small it is, um, 240 square feet. And this, the owner, uh, his name's Shy. We got to know him. But the owner comes over, and he came a bunch. He came, honestly, 12 out of 14 nights in a row. Wow. And he Holy came crap. alone, and he came with friends, and he came early, and he came late. And he was, he was live trolling us. And finally he, ner- <laughs> fi- finally, he got up the nerve to lean over the bar and just say, you guys really kill it in this little room. And I was like, yeah, a little room. That's our jam. And he goes, I have a little room. Uh-huh. So we walked over to his restaurant, and in the back he has this little room uh, to use the Mori Margo as a measuring device that's about one and a half times a Mori Margo. It's thinner and longer than a Mori, but it, and he tried to use it as private dining. But for eight of his 12 years, it failed. No one ever wanted it. It looks so different than the rest of his place. It's got a lower ceiling. It's skinny. It's dark back there. And I was like, this is perfect for a bar. Yeah. So we built a bar back there. Max Green, my partner, designed the entire thing because I was working on the book. Uh, we built this giant keyhole-shaped blue door that can be seen from anywhere in the, in the restaurant. Plus, it can even be seen from the street outside. And when you pass through that door, so you're in a Mediterranean restaurant that's very airy and bright, and you pass through that door, and we want you to feel like you're in Morocco. That's so it's cool. this giant Moroccan-style keyhole-shaped wow. door. And then I thought, well, how are we going to tie Morocco into cocktails? They don't really drink over there. What they do drink a lot of is tea. So every cocktail has a tea component. There's tea uh-huh. syrups, tea dilution, tea smoking, tea infusions. Um, so every cocktail ties itself to the concept, the ethos of the bar, through tea. Permission to raise my hand yeah, and ask a question? Yeah, you can ask any time. Uh, no, I'm going to raise this my hand. This is your hand. show, not mine. Mm, but I'm a very kind guy. We're both Southerners. You know, That's true. We're, we're very we kind We were born guys. at uh, hospitals not far from each other. Wait, wait, I, I wish I knew you were there. Yeah. I'd have come over. <laughs> What's up, man? While you're drinking your milk I'm booze? certain we probably already had bottles, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> tea smoking, you said. Sure. What that is, as we say in Sherman Oaks. What uh, that is. What that is. Uh, we say that, too, back in my hometown. Um we take um, smoking gun. It's a little hand smoker. Uh, basically, it's like it's got a little bowl on it, just like your pipe might have, but it's got a little fan that does the sucking for you, and then it's got a tube, um, so we can put. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, just certain things. Sound. Yeah, it yeah, does yeah. the sucking for you. It does this. I mean, okay. who says no to that? Nobody. So you put uh, the dry tea leaves into the bowl. You light it up. You turn on the fan. It pulls, uh, and you put the hose into a vessel, be that a bottle. Let's say a half-empty bottle. Uh, that's half full of, say, this whiskey that's sitting here on the table. Mm-hmm. And we fill the bottle with that smoke. We cap the top, and then we sort of rotate the bottle a few times, and now we're smoking the contents it, You're of the literally bottle. infusing the smoke that's inside cool. the liquid. So then we use that tea-smoked product to make a cocktail with. I'll be darned. That's um, really cool. That's really cool. That's not the newest technique. One, one of the newest techniques that we've sort of generated there, um, I'll put again on Max's shoulders. Max, by the way, designed the whole place. Um, and then he had the, the idea, uh, what if... What if we build some of our cocktails in advance, and instead of stirring that cocktail, which then chills it and dilutes it, right? It adds water to it when you stir it. What if we just build them in advance and add tea instead of water? Mm-hmm. So that's the tea mm-hmm. dilution. So that we're having a lot of fun diluting cocktails with tea that's, instead of water. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and as a Southerner, some people should be very happy with your whole tea thing. I mean, we're known for sweet tea down there. Oh, hell yeah. For sure. Elliot. You ever yeah. drink? Let's, uh, uh, what are we drinking here, buddy? All right, this looks nothing like a Gibson. All right, yeah. This is not a Gibson. All right, this is... Uh, <laughs> Basically, he's like, what do you like to drink? I like Gibsons. I'm bringing what I like. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, um, kindness. So this is... uh it's I, hospitality <laughs> for sure. <laughs> this is... I was feeling the pressure. This was made for a guy named Joe Thwaites. He was one of the Kickstarter backers. So this is called the Joe Thwaites. In the common parlance, if this drink were to ever become on a menu somewhere, like maybe on my in, at my house, mm-hmm. I call it the Say It Ain't So. 
Uh, it is uh, uh, bourbon. Kind of like the Thwaites. That's a great name. It is. It's a cool T-H-W-A-I-T-E-S. name. T h w a i t. Yeah, he's E-S. from uh, he's Thwaites. From, from the, he's he's uh, in the UK. Joe, thank you for uh, your uh, name. backing this drink and for your wonderful name. Um, this is uh, this is uh, one and a half ounces of bullet bourbon, a half ounce of chinar. What's uh, chinar? The audience uh, is saying right well, now. Well, yes, and the chinar is. <laughs> oh, a, are they saying on is, mass? Oh, is, I can is hear it. All of time. I yeah. can hear it. You okay. guys don't hear that? I yeah. didn't hear it. You haven't been podcasting long enough. No, no, we haven't. It's this is an amar. Uh, with with uh, that that if you maybe you've seen it in the liquor store if you've been in the liquor store and you've been down that strange aisle where all the uh, Amari are this is the one that has the artichoke uh, on the label and so that's just one of the components in the in the Amaro now of course I'm sitting next to an Amaro expert who could probably what talk do you know more. about Amaro. Oh, every <laughs> wait! Oh, wait a minute! Oh, yes. Mean, I was me. talking about hey, which one of us? Huh? Yeah. Well, I was talking. Okay. Um, In this so case. there's a half ounce fresh squeezed uh, lime juice, half ounce of simple syrup. Gary, there's agave in yours. <sighs> and I know, uh, I, know, I know that I'm hated right now by Teague. And, no, not, not I, at all. I, but I, I want to know why that is. What's yeah, going on? With uh, that? I'll tell you. And then a couple dashes of uh, Fee Brothers uh, cherry bitters. Uh, no. So wait, what do we got here? Bourbon, Southern, chinar, yeah. lime, lime juice, and cherry. Those are the flavor notes yeah. that we're looking at. Okay. Now, Souther, you've already you've already gotten a mouthful of your loving. A couple, actually. So tell me what's and going then, on. And then I had some of the drink too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Now we'll this I'm serving them. this today in a rocks glass. Normally this would be in a coupe, but I don't have any coupes that that travel well. Souther, from a man who has won many things in life. I fail upward. Bars, bars. They're all bars. I think of a of, of a bar as the restaurant of the of the downtrodden. Restaurant, yes. <laughs> yes. The restaurant of the mouth. The restaurant. Oh, wait a minute. Like most restaurants, like restaurants, actually, okay. are, are already of the mouth. Yeah, the yeah. non-chewing restaurant of the non-chewing mouth. Restaurant, restaurant of the liver. Uh, three restaurants deep, a book deep, a podcast deep, and super deep. Everybody knows you as at Creative Drunk on the social medias. Yep. What do you think of the Thwaite? Just your Thwaite and fee. <laughs> Oh, that's what I should have called it. Thwaites. Joe Thwaites. Thwaites and C. Yeah. Uh, the Joe Thwaites. Um, not without its charm. No, this is good. Um, Please be honest. I'm being honest. I'm, okay. I'm thinking and giving you yeah. an honest representation. No, no, this time. is great. Take your time. Chinar and lime juice are friends, actually. Not at my bar because we don't have any juice, but at other bars, uh, not in Mori Margo, but at other bars where I have juice, I've been known to put chinar and lime juice together in drinks. Because they're, they're buddies. You could do a buddy pick with them. Sure. You just yeah. said that like you really No, it's a, they're buds. They're so pals. We could do a buddy pick. I just yeah, learned sure. that a couple okay. weeks ago. I had done chinar with lemon juice. I think, honestly, I would encourage something fruitier as the base. Okay. I would say consider making this drink with Calvados. Consider making this drink with apple brandy. Okay. Consider making this drink. Down. I am going to write that down. You know, like Laird's apple brandy, I, I think, have? I think I... is the money for this yeah? drink. All right, I'm going to try it. That but way. I'm not. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not a bad drink. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it. That's Here's that, what we do on my show all the time that you guys didn't do, but we do it for the microphone. Yeah, so. do it. Cheers, guys. Oh, oh, wait Cheers. a minute. I can't wait to steal everything about your show. All we've done is... Oh, are you taking notes you. over there? I'm taking mental notes, which means I'll forget it. Yeah, two minutes after yep. it's done. It just, yeah, they're all out of fresh. his head. My grandfather uh, Gary the goldfish. The goldfish. Yes. Yep. <laughs> oh, we did it! Nice. Um, I, you know, when I when I started this project, when I started making all these cocktails, one of the things that I said, in fact, I even said it like in the Kickstarter thing, it's like I don't want to make anybody infuse anything for like a, a week in order to make their drink, and then somewhere around I don't know what what, what drink it was, number forty or something, I I thought I I had a, a chai latte that morning, and I thought 
And I was making a rye drink that night, and I thought, God, I wonder if chai and rye would go together. And I threw the chai rye mai tai. I threw a chai tea there bag. Is, is this it. real? We just made it up right here. Oh, wow! Yeah. Uh, we, chai this is rye cutting mai tai. Edge. I right. know we're this recording is, this. This but is what cutting if we edge. Don't listen back. Yeah. This is cutting edge. I write all these ideas. I'm writing it down right now. Um, so I threw a, a chai tea bag in a into like four ounces of of rye. Let it sit there for an hour and tried it. And I thought, Oh my God, this is great. Sure, and made a, a cocktail out of it. Teas come in really handy. They yeah. can be subtle. They can be like a. They can come in like a hammer. Yeah, but it was fast. That yeah. was the. Oh, that was the, the, the infusions are fast. Yeah, the infusions. So fast. don't forget when yeah. you're infusing tea into water. Water, the universal solvent, uh, as we all learned in the sixth grade chemistry class, is also kind of the poorest solvent. What's a great solvent? Alcohol. So the alcohol is working way faster than water to make that tea into a, a solution. Mm -hmm. That was really interesting. And then I, I did uh, I did a chai uh, sweet vermouth, oh, yeah. uh, which was great. Um, I did a mint tea bourbon. Up the ante on your julep. Yeah, and that's what I, I wound up making was a mint tea, basically a mint tea julep. So I went back on my pledge at the beginning of the Kickstarter to not infuse anything. And I said, look, folks, it's easy to do. If they're rapid, I think it's fair. Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are pretty rapid infusions. Yeah, yeah. I Like anything that's that goes beyond that, I'm not... Uh, yeah, I mean, one, one of the one of the one of the great things about Amoria Margo is that everything we use there comes out of a bottle, with the exception of the cane syrup um, and water. Uh, everything's alcohol, so that means a couple of things. That means any drink we've ever made, if you come into Amoria Margo and say, "Hey, I was here a few years ago and I had the Diamonds and Guns cocktail. Can you make that?" Yes, as long as all those bottles still exist, I can mm -hmm. make that drink. Yeah. I don't have to say, oh, we used to make a pink peppercorn-infused lavender syrup right. for this, that drink, and we don't make that syrup, so we mm -hmm. can't make that drink. So that never happens. So then what also happens, and that was kind of, that was my built-in plan, but then what kind of evolved from that is we're very willing to give recipes away because you can't copyright recipes, so the best way to establish provenance is by giving them away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if anyone shows any interest in a cocktail, I made these cards uh, that are blank on the back, and that's kind of a painting of me done by Jill DeGroff on the front. We'll write down the recipe. You can buy the bitters from us because I'm a store that sells bitters. That's smart move. You can go home or go to your liquor store and buy the booze and then go home and make the drink mm -hmm. without having to make two things before you make the drink. So yeah. that's how you get us, though, all that bitters money. That's right, man. It's the bitters Is that money. how you afford all these? <laughs> if the you guys money. can see him right now, he's wearing a shark, not just a shark skin suit, but it's a live shark skin that's suit. Right. <laughs> From all that yes, bitters money. Yes, this is, you know, I have a, a lifestyle that I have to uphold. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what is, well, all right, this is a two-part question. What are your That's favorite? That's the second part first. Mm. I want to hear the second part mystery. first. All right. The that second, way, all right, that way back, it's a right, mystery. All right, yeah. the second part first. So uh, what is your favorite Amaro? Oh, man, tough question because I, I drink like I eat. Um, so I don't really have favorites of anything, including food, right? I have a lot of things I enjoy, of course. Yeah. But I drink like I eat, which is in four ways. Through the mouth. You really want to write this down. <laughs> through, okay. through the mouth is, is a subcategory. Oh, that, okay, no. that's not one of the four. Right. <laughs> First to the season, right? If there's three feet of snow on the ground, I'm probably not going to order a mojito. Sure. Second to the atmosphere. If I'm at Miss Favela's Brazilian bar in Williamsburg and there's three feet of snow on the ground, I'm probably still having a mojito. This guy's got to think about us about snow. Well, well living in living in living in New York, living I would I would also have to think about snow. Okay, we're on number three. Yeah, I hope it has snow involved. Third is to the occasion, right? I'm mm -hmm. not a big champagne drinker, but on New Year's Eve, that's what you drink. On New Year's Eve, when there might be snow on the ground, there might be. Okay, <laughs> in okay. New York, maybe not here. Uh, and then fourth, of course, is every fucking day. Okay, so, so there is. So I drink to the season, to the atmosphere, to the occasion, and daily. So it's hard for me to pick a favorite. It's yeah. kind of based on what's going on, where I'm sure. at, what you know. But there are certainly ones that I enjoy a lot. Um, Amaro Montenegro comes immediately to mind. Mm -hmm. 
flavors of orange blossom and bitter orange, notes of uh, cucumber and celery, um, floral from the gentian, which is the bittering agent, easy drinking just by itself on ice, uh, mixes into cocktails really well. It's very juicy, so it adds juicy component without actually juice. So I reach for that bottle a lot at Amori Margo, and I reach for it a lot in my life. Got it. I have, I think, I think I have four bottles of Amaro, and we have a very good liquor store uh, up here. And but, the one with the bulletproof glass we saw on the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, that's the place, and they've yeah, got a great Amaro. They'll shoot, they'll shoot you to get that delicious. They got liquor. they got a great Amaro selection, and I stand in front of those bottles, and they are <laughs> they they are all appealing and and mysterious, and I think to myself, oh, I, I don't I don't you know which one. Which one should I get? So I've got a bottle. Thank you for the recommendation. I think oh, the Montenegro sure. is going to be next. But I've got, like, I've got a bottle of, of Nanino, and I've got a, a Verno, which was the one I started with, which I think is a really friendly one to start with. It is. Uh, Ramazzotti, and then uh, and the Chinar. I think that's it. I think that's all I've got right now. Sure. Oh, no, I've got a Chio Chiaro also. So you got um, Chio Chiaro, a cola nut tomorrow, so it tastes kind of cola, it, yeah, leather, yeah, vanilla. Yeah. You got Ramazzotti, which is also a cola nut tomorrow, but it's like the addition of dried fruits. So I always say to people, if Chio Chiaro is cola, then Ramazzotti is Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've, all, I've I've jokingly but seriously said if Coca Cola were alcoholic and a little bit less sweet and flat, it'd be the best selling Amaro in the world. Uh, <laughs> it's, right? Yeah. Well, like, cola yeah. nut Amaros are, are are delicious. Yeah. And high selling, and I think that Coca Cola removes some of those things. It would be amazing. When should I, we get on the phone and call? We probably should. Coca Cola. Ring up Atlanta where we used to live. Yeah. Let's yeah. call Atlanta. Yeah. I know somebody works at Coca. Immediately after this. All right. You got it. I'm getting get them on the horn. Getting them on the horn. Um. Okay. So, so that was the second half of the question. That was the second half of the question. The first half of the question is, so you've got 500 different kinds of bitters. Tincture bitters, yeah. Tincture bitters in your bar. What's um, that first word you guys said, seriously? Tincture. Tincture bitters. Tincture. Tincture. Uh, Tinctures are the small bottles of bitters that you see on a bar. The most okay. uh, the most known, of course, is uh, Angostura with the oversized paper label and the yellow cap. And then, uh, you know, any number of flavors from there. Uh, I've been doing this long enough to understand that. If you can think of a flavor, someone's making a bitters. Okay, I but have everything. Tincture from, is literally the T I N C T U R E. Is just uh, it's just a uh, the word refers to how the thing is made. It's a tincture, um, which is a, basically an extract. Yeah. All right. Now yeah. you can talk real talk. I had. To, right. I had to find out. Okay. Um, Thanks for asking. Yeah. I think so, the listener is curious. Yeah. So or, or frankly bored. Yeah. yeah well, they, you can be both. <laughs> you can be both. I hope not. I only want them to be interested. Uh, so this is a similar thing. Like I've been into the liquor store. There's a great liquor store in Silver Lake called Barkeep. Yep. Uh, and they have an amazing selection uh, of bitters. And I have stood in front of this wall of bitters and I thought to myself, what what should I get today? And the last bottle that I bought was Bitter End Memphis Barbecue Bitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, which... oh, wow. And you have Chio Charo? I've got a drink for you already. Oh, all right. Oh, boy. <laughs> Excellent. I want to know what it is. That's pretty great that you bought those. It's This is an unrehearsed show. I'm, I'm a drink in the bag already. Um, but, yeah, we used to have a drink on the menu called New Boots. It was bourbon, Amaro Chio Charo. Um, it's an old-fashioned, so it had a little bit of cane syrup, Memphis Barbecue Bitters, and Cherry Bark Vanilla Bitters. Oh. And the notion for this drink was... I take bourbon and chiochara, which is kind of bourbon and cola. Yeah. And then I add cherry bark vanilla bitters, and I've got bourbon and cherry cola. And then I add Memphis barbecue bitters, and I've got bourbon and cherry cola at a barbecue. So the name, <laughs> of, the, the name of the cocktail is New Boots. That's uh, this ain't my first rodeo, but these are New Boots. That sounds great. Cherry uh, bark vanilla. And it was, yeah, it was on the menu for yeah. quite a while, and it strikes all those flavor notes. And when you when yeah. you say that to someone as you give it to them, mm-hmm. you ring all those bells, and they taste the drink, and they're just fucking delighted. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would think, yeah, I would imagine. 
Aside from the go-to, like the standard, like uh, workhorse bitters, which I would say are Angostura, you know, like Angostura, old Peychauds, and Regans are the three that you right. have to Regan's have. Regans orange bitters. Yeah, the, yeah. The, those are what, what I think of as like bitters are the spice cabinet of the soup that is a cocktail. So you've got to have salt and pepper, and even though it's three, Angostura, Peychauds, and orange, Regans orange are the salt and pepper. The rest is everything else that's in your spice cabinet. Is, what, but you got to have those. Yeah, and and I do. So what? You're welcome, Gary. Yeah, Gary, you got that? Yeah. Oh. Y- yes. <laughs> I, I, was, I was I was saying you're welcome to Gary Regan for oh well, for plugging his bitters. Yeah. Oh wait a minute. Um, but oh. you're yeah. welcome too, Gary. Okay. I just want to know when uh, one Gary is welcome, all, Gary's, all, are welcome. Welcome. Yeah. all, all Gary's, Gary's are welcome. All Gary's are welcome. So uh, what is your next tier of like most commonly used bitters? I think it's easy to make uh, some short jumps, right? So Angostura is cardamom and cinnamon. Those are the biggest notes in there. So find yourself a mole bitters, which is cinnamon and cocoa, yeah. right? So you've subbed out the cardamom, which has a an earthy yet citrusy flavor for something that's earthy and familiar, right? People know uh, uh, cocoa. That's chocolate, right? Yeah. But not sweet uh, in this sense, right? Because it's a bitter, not a, not a sweetener. Um, so I, I think that's an easy jump. If you've already got your orange bitters on the bar, try another citrus one. A grapefruit is pretty common. There's a new one from Scrappy's that I'm falling in love with right now called Black Lemon. Black Lemon is wow. dehydrated lime. So they take the limes and dehydrate them until they're little black ping pong balls. And then they crush them up or whatever and make their bitters using those. So it's got this like... Is it a super? It's concentrated? Man, it? you know, so they use black lemon, a.k.a. dehydrated lime, in a lot of uh, Moroccan and Mediterranean cuisine. Oh, okay. They use the actual thing. They'll, they'll shred it or, or, rather, okay. or rather grate it. It's hard, like a nutmeg almost. Okay. Um, over dishes and it gives this sharp tang. But it's also this earthy, really drying, I don't know, citrusy note that you get. So black lemon's a really cool one. Um, but again, not too far a jump as you're staying with a citrus. And then once you get sort of comfortable using things like that, then it's time to maybe say, yeah, I want Memphis barbecue. That's crazy. It's smoky and it's spicy. What are you thinking there? Um, <laughs> right? Go down the path of least resistance first. Get cherry bitters, you know? That seems common. You're using a cherry in your Manhattan right. and you're using Angostura. Well, instead of Angostura, put in cherry bitters. Right. Up the cherry quotient and then add your cherry also, right? So play on the things that seem logical and then start turning the tide and playing on things that seem illogical. Like, where are we going to, again, put that Memphis barbecue bitter? Yeah. Seems weird. But then I was like, oh, this is kind of a flavor that tastes familiar to me. Cherry Coke and barbecue, that seems normal to me. Let's put it in a glass. And then and then you got to remember... <laughs> Let's put it in a glass. <laughs> right? And then you got to kind of remember that there, there's no wrong answer for you. Right. If I can say some words and you can taste those things without actually having them in your hand, if I say to you, Gary, anchovies... You're already thinking to yourself, salty, oily, mm-hmm. fishy. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, you, you can understand sure. the flavor right now. If I then say chocolate ice cream, you can say creamy, chocolatey, sweet, frozen, right? You're tasting the chocolate ice cream. And then if I say, taste them together in your mind. And if you say to yourself, I think I'd like that, then in reality, you'd like it. Mm-hmm. You'd be one weird motherfucker, but you'd like <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's got that umami situation sure. going on there. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So if it works in your mind, it'll work. But the only way to be able to know that it'll work in your mind is to be familiar with the two flavors. Uh-huh. If I said anchovies and you'd never had an anchovy, this experiment doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But so if you say to yourself, I bought myself a bottle of Chesapeake Bay bitters, which are Old Bay seasoning made by the same company. If you've never had Old Bay and you've never had those bitters, you don't know what those bitters taste like. Mm -hmm. So you need to taste those bitters, maybe just on the back of your hand, a little taste, smell them. You need to taste them in just some seltzer water, get to understand what they taste like when they're diluted. Then you can start to say, oh, now I know what that tastes like. What would I like that with? You might say to yourself, I really enjoy the dirty martini, right? Gin or vodka with olive brine stirred up so that we've got this savory, salty thing. 
and I do like Old Bay potato chips, or I do like crabs with Old Bay on them. Mm-hmm. Maybe this Chesapeake Bay bitters would go well in that cocktail. You are talking to the Baltimore boy in me. I grew up there, so I did not know that there was Old Bay. Man, bitters. that's twice. Now, now I same gotta, company. It's bitter end. Yeah, now I, I got to get those because Chesapeake Bay. That, yeah, that sounds that sounds phenomenal. I well, you know what you were saying and, about and, kind and of imagining. Like, and does that go wrong in a Bloody Mary? No. Oh no, gosh. And don't no. forget, tincture bitters are also made for cooking. Like put yeah. a few drops on. Your shrimp cocktail. Well, yeah, I, didn't, see, I didn't even know. That. Guys, I'm dumb. I literally did not know that. Nope, no right argument now. here. Uh, no, nope. <laughs> you, you got a point. You got a point. Uh, at least I'm smart enough to know that I'm super dumb. Well, I had no idea that bitters are made for cooking. I only they, thought it was. They're made for anything. They're, they're consumable. They're made for you to consume. So it's up to you how. At your next uh, Thanksgiving, whip some of those mole bitters I just talked about into some whipped cream and put it on top of pecan pie. Delicious. That sounds great. Uh, use that black lemon bitters in your next vinaigrette over a salad in the summertime. Delicious. I've been wasting my bitters time. Yeah. That's yeah. what I found out today. The clock is running out. Yeah. We've learned so much. I think I, I, I have used Angostura bitters in my coffee. Mm, and really? it's great. Oh, my God. Bitters and coffee? Yeah. Duh. Really? It's great. It's great. Yeah. Really? A little, a little, yeah, really. Really. I've done it. A little, do milk, it. I'm I'm do a, it a little milk. A little milk. My coffee. A little dash of uh, Angostura bitters. And it's great. It's great. I'll do it. It's great, people. It. Do it. Well, that, that's a breakfast. That's a that's, breakfast booze you're drinking. That's my breakfast. <laughs> well, that's my breakfast drink. I, I, that's how I, I get started. I would do it in the evening for a, an, an after dinner. You could coffee. do it. You could do it sure, with decaf if you like. No, no, I don't want to do decaf. What? what? Don't you want to sleep at night? Nah. All right. I got stuff I want to think about. Uh, I did, I did want to ask about windmill because we didn't get mm. to speak mm. about windmill. Mm. Mm-hmm. So one place you got that concentrates on basically three drinks: Amor y Amarco. That's right. Uh, Blue Quarter. All about the teas there. Yep. And then what's this whole French situation with windmill? So my very good friends, who I became friends with because they own a restaurant less than a block from my apartment where I eat all the time. It only seats 19 people. It's called La French Diner. If you speak French at all, you're aware that that means the French Diner. Mm-hmm. I do. I do uh-huh. speak. That's enough. That's about all the French I speak. I speak it Same. now because of that. Yeah. Now I know. Fluent. We, we. So it's a 19-seat place. Uh, the kitchen, quote-unquote, is uh, just a six-burner uh, oven with a small salamander and a small grill that's right behind the bar. Chalkboard menu, two-man operation. There's usually someone cooking and someone serving beers wow. and wines. Infatuation, I don't really trust a lot of these uh, you know, ratings places, but Infatuation, I feel like, does a pretty good job. Infatuation, on their French page in New York City, they said uh, La French Diner got an 8.6. To put that into the context of their page, per se, got an 8.5. Wow. So we're topping out over, per se, at La French Diner. So these guys have this little place, and I love eating there. They love coming to my little bar, Amore Margo, and drinking. They only serve beer and wine. I don't serve food. We said, why don't we do a place together where we'll serve drinks and snacks? So the Windmill is a very French-informed snack and cocktail bar. We have uh, cognac, armagnac, cavados, pinot de Charon, chartreuse, uh, rums with an H, you know, Martinique-style French rums, Citadel gin in our Le Midi cocktail, which is basically a, a gin and tonic. So the, the menu is heavily informed by France. It's airy and bright. Uh, the frontest of the place is floor-to-ceiling glass, and it's a 16-foot ceiling. Very European in style. Mm-hmm. And we're making great cocktails and pairing it with some beautiful snacks. How do you have time to do, for real, all of the things that you're doing? Each one of those seems like a regular job for a regular person, yes, right? Yes, I agree. Like, I'm yeah. doing this book now. I'm doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, how? Seriously, how? Yeah. And uh, are you are you okay? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no. All right. I, I understand fully that any word with the suffix aholic 
is a bad word. Mm -hmm. And I also completely understand that I am a workaholic. Mm -hmm. I know it's bad, but that's the case, at least at the moment. I say yes to projects. I dive in wow. headlong. I crush through them. I'm the type of guy who wants to be busy, and so I am. My dad often said when I was a kid, the reward for hard work is more work. So <laughs> I, what I've come to understand that to mean is the better you are at something, the more people will ask you to do that thing. So I'm very good at the things that I do, and I keep getting asked to do them more. Um, and I'm not saying no. And that's how we wound up with Souther as our guest today. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I, I don't even I don't even remember. You said you reached out to me via Twitter. I don't remember that. All I remember is someone yeah. said, you're going to be in L.A. Would you like to do a podcast? And I said, sure. I was delighted beyond words when you said, when you said well, yes. I hope not beyond words. This is a podcast. Well, I uh -oh. found my words in the intervening. <laughs> right, he cool. can do that. He does that. Uh, gross I am also, also very good. I'm also very good at clicking. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. a dolphin or someone yeah. from Mosa, either one. Yeah. Uh, I, I did have a question from the internet. From oh you. wow! Jeannie Rochar wants to know. She says, "I've heard there really isn't much difference between expensive vodkas and cheap ones, and that we truly can't taste the difference. True or false?" And then she has a follow up. Okay, should I just immediately answer with with that's true? You can't really taste the difference. Um, there's more to say about it though, because okay. I'm probably already angering and raising the, the hackles of the vodka drinkers out there. So here's the deal. The very definition of vodka. This is not my definition. This is the definition. It is colorless, odorless, flavorless, neutral, distilled spirit. So um, if you can think about it like that, uh, then the ones that are adhering the most closely to the definition of vodka, mm -hmm. um, the only difference between what they're putting out is their advertising budget. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing about vodka wow. is you can add point zero zero eight parts per million, that's a very insignificant amount, of another thing in your colorless, odorless, flavorless, neutral, distilled spirit without saying so on the label. So if you have, let's say, blueberries, 0 .007 parts per million in, uh -huh. your, in your vodka, you don't have to say so. Now, once you go 0 .009, you have to say this is blueberry Blue vodka, okay. right, or higher. But the thing is, the human ability to perceive flavors is uncanny. So even at that low dose, we can't smell it, we can't see it, but we taste it on some subliminal level. Mm -hmm. So to that end, there are vodka makers out there who put things in their vodka on purpose to that low level to entice you into thinking that it is better. I'm not going to name any brand names, but there is a vodka out Could there. Could you rhyme the brand name? Like if it was Grey Goose, would you say Maypoos? Uh, I'm not going to do that either. Uh, man, I got a reputation to uphold. Okay. But there is a vodka out there that puts that low dose of glycerin in their product. Glycerin is soap. It's not bad for you in any way. Your grandfather might have taken glycerin pills for his heart. It's good for you in a lot of ways. What that does is it slightly coats the inside of your mouth. What does that make you think about that vodka? It makes you think it's richer. It's more opulent. It's I, I more, swear, it, I, swear I won't say this feel. out loud. I swear I won't say it out loud. Mouth would feel. you write I'll share these. Me? I'll share these with you after the show. I want to know now. I want to be no. knowledgeable while we're talking. I swear. No. you got to learn to trust me. I, uh, well, I'll, <laughs> what I'll did fall, I say when I'll we fall took that blood your, swear? I'll fall backwards <laughs> into your arms. What did you say? I think it was don't touch me there. Yeah, um, exactly. So, And then there's another brand out there that puts that same low dose of vanillin or synthetic vanilla which human beings perceive as like you know woody and rich right so there are vodkas that, that are out there that, that, that those vodka drinkers say well my vodka is definitely better it's got a smoother mouthfeel um, but here's some even better evidence just over a dozen years ago in New York City um, a host of around 30 I think it was spirits experts from all over the world convened in New York City to taste vodkas and they tasted dozens and dozens and dozens of vodkas. The landslide, overwhelming, no contest winner of this educated tasting of vodkas uh -huh. was Smirnoff. 
Smirnoff most closely relates. Unbelievable. Smirnoff most closely relates to the definition of colorless, odorless, flavorless, neutral distilled spirit. I mean, I'll be honest because I am like I am not a vodka guy, and like in the the vodka cocktails that I have had to come up with for this project that I'm doing have been the hardest ones for me to do. Listen, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a, some advice from Please. from a, a luminary in my field, uh, Ueda-san, a very famous bartender from Japan. He uh, very eloquently said, in a vodka cocktail, it's a celebration of the mixer. Mm. Ah. So you have to stop trying to pay attention to that colorless, odorless part of your thing and make a drink that's around the things that go into the drink. I think subliminally I've done that. If you use something that is colorless, odorless, uh, flavorless, completely neutral, it can water down sure. the things that the you're in. So you have to cocktail, fit, yeah. The simplest vodka cocktail, the screwdriver, 50% yeah. vodka, 50% orange juice, yeah. comes out tasting like watered-down, boozy orange juice, does no favor for the vodka, does no favor for the orange juice. Yeah. Right. So it's a tricky thing to work with. And using a chef analogy, I say, I'll go down to your kitchen right now, Gary, and I'll make you soup. You tell me, do I start with water or do I start with stock? I would say start with the stock. Every single time. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to make you a cocktail, do I start with something that has flavor uh, okay. or not? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't me bashing on vodka. I quite enjoy the no, stuff. No, yeah. I hear you. I enjoy it mostly as it's given to me. I keep a bottle in my freezer so it's as cold as can be without any dilution because I don't want to dilute it anymore. It's already tasting like nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. But I want it rocket cold and at full strength. For me, Uedasan said celebration of the mixer. I say the mixer in vodka is food. It was made to be drank with oysters, with caviar. It was made to be drank with something fatty like foie gras or potato chips. Sit down and have a couple of frosty shots of vodka with some crispy salt and vinegar potato chips. I'm going to do that. Do you drink that Smirnoff one? I do. uh, Actually, in my book, there's a photo of a bottle of Smirnoff. Is that the bottle that's in your freezer? And it's frosty because it came out of my freezer for the photo. Why am I wasting my time? Okay. You're not wasting your time. You're wasting your money. Um, yeah. Oh, every vodka maker and every vodka ambassador out there that I know is probably going to hate me now. But no, they won't hate you. But They'll I, love you. Because I still of like your, vodka. Your, your boyish face and your uh, manhood charm. Uh, <laughs> Jeannie also said, "Can she has some free bourbon, like like something really nice? What bourbon would you go with?" Oh man, I uh, got a real easy go-to answer. Evan Williams Single Barrel Vintage. Mm-hmm. So Evan Williams puts out some great products. They're made by Heaven Hill. They've been around forever. And the Single Barrel Vintage, I'm going to say pretty boldly, is one of the best bourbons for the dollar. Okay. You're not going to spend a lot of money. You're probably going to be shocked at how inexpensive it is at okay. retail. And you're going to be equally shocked and delighted at how delicious it is. And again, it's it's a unique quality, I think, that's pretty commonplace in the American whiskey world. The, the ones that are the quietest, the ones that you don't hear from, the ones that you don't see advertisements everywhere... They're the ones who are out there just crushing the like shit the out of neighbor, it. Like the neighbor, the killer well, next door. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, never would have expected it out yeah. of yeah. old Abe Overholt oh, oh, to be making the Abe best. Abe Overholt. To be yeah. making, <laughs> that's his name. Uh, may, may I ask, and I know I should have asked this a long time ago, and we got to wrap this up soon. Yeah, we do. Uh, so gotta, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. 28 bourbons in. Oh, I got a thing to do. We can find you on the Instas and the Twits. I'm on all social media. I have the same handle everywhere. It's Creative Drunk. That's my personal one. Um, if you want to find Amore Amargo, it's Amore E Amargo. That's A M O R Y A M A R G O. Amore E Amargo. That's Spanish for love and bitters. Uh, windmill on Clinton is our Instagram for the new windmill. Uh, Blue Quarter NYC for our new bar, Blue Quarter. Your uh, podcast is Speakeasy. Oh, right. Speakeasy Podcast uh, on Twitter. Speakeasy Radio. Uh, sorry, on Instagram. Speakeasy Radio on Twitter. 
And, of course, tune in to us. We're on Heritage Radio Network every week uh, on Wednesdays at 2 o'clock New York City time. But about an hour later, it's on podcasts of all platforms, uh, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, all of it. It's super fascinating, guys. I mean, it's a fun fun podcast. If you're at all interested in uh, in drinks, in the hospitality business. uh, And and and, not just because, you know, it's great for even a virgin ear like me. And I have a super virgin ear. It's so virginal. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people want to come in touch this year huh? <laughs> uh careful, wrong. careful with that language you're new no too late too late you started it out with the f word uh i'm just here for the drinks your new book my amazon first is my first book uh, it's currently number one on amazon for pre-orders by the time this podcast comes out it'll be out because it comes out on the 28th of august honestly thank you for being here like i have learned more stuff than i even imagined that i could learn i thought i was done i told you that yeah and i learned a little bit more i'm glad i i've opened your eyes to new horizons you really did i'm, I'm giving you you know i'm giving you everything i got buddy you gave it all <laughs> and i'm going to give Three quarters of it back. All right. Gary. Yep. Where can That's our listeners early. follow you oh. on the social medias? Again, Elliot, it's been a very weak. I'm either at, at Gary Anthony Williams yeah. or at Gary A. Williams. One or the other on Twitter and Instagram. One on one thing, one on the other. It's just been a very weak. I hadn't had time to check. It's yet. been a very week. It's been a very week. It's been a very week. All right. I don't need the other stuff in there. No, just you don't need the other words. I don't Everybody need the understands. It's I don't been need a very week. Yeah. I have an adverb in there yep. and I have a noun. Uh, where are you found, my friend? You can find me at Elliot Blake, E-L-L-I-O-T-B-L-A-K-E, on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, Souther, thank you so much for being here today. It's been my this pleasure, guys. This has been a thank total you, blast. I just came for the free drinks. Yeah, well, you and, got them. And you got them. Uh, and for the others out there who are listening with your ears right now and maybe pouring yourself a drink, remember to always day drink responsibly. responsibly.